0: Welcome to this episode of the We Travel There podcast. We're in Kerry Kerry, New Zealand, with my new friend Heather Markle. Heather was traveling through New Zealand when the pandemic hit and decided to stay there because there were very few tourists and lots of nature. In this episode, Heather and I talk about hiking to Rainbow Falls, learning about the Maori culture at Te Ria, and visiting the camp house, which is the oldest house in New Zealand. You hear know about these three amazing attractions, plus so much more. The show notes will be available at wetravelthere.com forward slash Now let's get started. The We Travel There podcast helps you travel like a local by interviewing guests from around the world to uncover the hidden gems of their city by finding out the best things to do, eat, drink, and see from a local's point of view Whether I'm traveling for business or pleasure it's important to have clothes that make me look good and feel great I wear Bluffworks jeans, slacks, dress shirts, and blazers because they're wrinkle-free and are designed for the modern traveler and if they get dirty a quick spin in the washing machine and they're good as new Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks for a special offer and select from the latest styles so you can stay wrinkle-free when you travel. Hey Heather, welcome to the show. Thank you. Today we're talking about a city that I've never heard of before. It's called Kerry, Kerry, but it's an island that everybody knows about, New Zealand. It's I think it's one of those places that it's on everybody's bucket list of like, oh, I'd love to go to New Zealand, especially if you watch if you watch like the Lord of the Rings. But what's your connection to Kerry Kerry?
1: Oh, total accident. Uh, I actually came to New Zealand in February of 2020. I landed in Christchurch, whipped around the South Island, thought I'd be in New Zealand about 3 weeks before flying off to see my friend in Sydney, Australia. And then the pandemic was declared, and I raced up north thinking it would be cheaper and fewer tourists, which it was, and I had to pick between Paihia and Kari and Kari sounded smaller and more authentic, which it is, <laughs> and I thought I, w- I would be there for a week, and it turned into <laughs> a lot longer.
0: <laughs> wow, that what a story. I mean, I know actually when they talked about here at the beginning of the pandemic, in the U S that a lot of people were actually trying to go to New Zealand because they knew that they had much more stringent regulations and laws as far as COVID goes. So that way they'd be a little bit safer.
1: We've been really lucky here. I have to say.
0: Yeah. It's like (laughs) here I'm in Tennessee and we have some of the highest numbers in the nation and New Zealand like freaks out when there's like one. So
1: (laughs) it's such a dichotomy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's lovely to be in a place where they actually want to try to stomp the virus out rather than do like survival of the fittest and herd immunity.
0: <laughs> sure, sure. Okay. So you've been there in Carrie, Kerry for about a year and a half now. Uh, if you had to describe like the people or the city in just a couple of words, how would you do that?
1: That would be tough. People are, I just say, relaxed and happy.
0: That's a good way to live life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm from New York City. So, I mean, it's just complete opposite end of the spectrum.
0: Oh, yeah. That, <laughs> that, that, that's kind of an understatement. So for people that aren't that familiar with New Zealand, obviously, it's a pretty small island. It's like kind of off the coast of like the, the southeastern side of Australia. But where in the island is Kerry? Keri?
1: Yeah. So, and by the way, we call it across the ditch, right? So we're across the ditch from Australia. And I think they say the same thing for us. <laughs> Kirikiri is way up north. It's about three hours drive, I think, from Cape Reinga, which is the furthest northern point in the North Island. So it's near the Bay of Islands, part of the Bay of Islands.
0: Okay. I've never heard that, but that's, uh, I mean, I think it's one of those things like I've really wanted to go to New Zealand and I haven't actually like, planned it yet, but hopefully after talking to you and I actually have a couple other New Zealand guests planned. And so I'm going to get my fill of New Zealand. And I'm going to be ready to rock and roll and then come, come visit.
1: It's great. And and I just, what I love about Kirikiru is also, it's just not, I think that's going to change unfortunately, but it's just not really touristy. It's real life, real people, real supermarkets where as opposed to Paihia, which is a lovely town across from Russell, which is not far and where the Waitangi treaty grounds are, which I highly recommend going to. Although it's lovely, Paihi is definitely more geared towards tourism than Kerikeri is.
0: Okay. If we're going to visit Kerikeri, because like, just from seeing everything about it, it seems like it's a wonderful place to visit. Like, say if I'm like, I used to live in LA. So, say if I'm flying from LA down to New Zealand, would I fly directly into Kerikeri or would I fly someplace else and then transit within the country?
1: Yeah, you would do the latter. You would fly into Auckland, I would recommend, because every, it seems like all flights, in the North Island, go through Auckland. So if you want to take fewer flights, uh, you'd want to fly direct to Auckland and then transfer there and fly direct to Kerikeri Keri. Otherwise, if you fly into the South Island or into Welly, uh, Wellington, sorry, you may have to fly into Auckland and then change planes and go to Kerikeri Keri.
0: <laughs> Oh yeah. Adding that extra layer of complexity. So if we fly into Auckland and, and then go into Kerikeri Keri, is it like a short flight, like, like an hour type of thing, or is it a little bit longer?
1: I haven't done the flight, but I can tell you also it's about a four and a half or five hour drive. So it's not that far from Auckland. And so the flight should be roughly an hour.
0: All right. And then, so once we land there in carry carry, cause like you said, they have, a, they have an airport there from there. If we're going to go into the city, do we rent a car? Do we take public transportation? Like, is there a ride share there? Like, how do we get around?
1: So this is a really small town. There is no public transportation at all. There are two taxi services, but I think they're run each by one person. So, you know, you've probably got a few taxis about. You may or may not call when they have a taxi available. So I would recommend renting a car also because anything you want to do with the lack of transportation, unless, I mean, I, when I lived there, I didn't have a car, so I just walked everywhere but some things are an hour and a half walk uh, each way. (laughs) So it's best to have a car if you want to see more of it. And especially if you have less time than I have had, (laughs) I definitely recommend renting a car.
0: Yeah. I'm all about walking, but uh, an hour and a half walk, it seems like a little too much.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. If you have a short amount of time, it kind of (laughs) is.
0: Right on. Okay. So since it's kind of in the northern part of the country, I would assume that it's obviously closer to the equator. The weather's probably warm throughout the entire year or does it have more like the traditional four seasons
1: it is fairly warm all year round I'd I'd say it's interesting I learned about you know there's the Maori people um, are the indigenous people to New Zealand and most of them settled on the North Island not the South Island because of the climate so Kirikiri is a is called a subtropical kind of climate it's the summers can be a bit humid and hot the winter Pretty much I didn't wear, I wore sandals and no socks all winter, even though I might wear a jacket. The nighttime can get a bit chilly once the sun goes down, but it's nothing like, you know, in New York, I'm used to say like, you know, negative 17 and high wind and snow and all that. Their winters are tend to be more rainy than snowy. And what's beautiful is you get rainbows that are unbelievable. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so it's a beautiful, definitely warmer climate, but I wouldn't call it like hot or warm during the winter.
0: Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Now, as far as like where we're going to stay, like we've taken the flight into carry carry from Auckland. Uh, and then we're there, we, we ran out of car as far as like booking a hotel. Are there some of like the major name brands that we, that we would have here in the, the U S or is it more of like local boutiques or like Airbnb type of things?
1: Uh, the latter. There's no, I, I didn't notice any major chain there. Um, my favorite place, and that's where I lived for nine months, is uh, it's called Faripuke, Subtropical Accommodation. And it's, in New Zealand, what's wonderful is they use a lot of the Maori words for places. So it's, it's pronounced Faripuke, but it's spelled W-H. And anytime you see a W-H, it's an F sound. Faripuke is, they have an art studio, they have a beautiful nature walk where you can just get completely lost in nature on the property. At the top, there's an orchard, and they usually let you pick some of the fruit up there that you can eat, and you stay in one of their six cottages, which is just beautiful. It's just, you know, you're in a small town, but now you're far, You're like removed into nature, and it's just silence at night, and you're awoken by the birds. Uh, it's, it's just, that's my favorite place to stay.
0: That sounds incredible. Yeah. Coming from like the the traffic and noise and everything like that in LA, that just sounds like heaven.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, It's amazing. It's just so, you know, and it's 15 minute walk from the center of town and like a five minute barely drive. They're located right near the stone store, which is a, one of the big, the thing about Kiri Kiri is it's where the um, original settlers came into New Zealand and first met the Maori people. So it's a very historic location. Um, and the stone store is one of the most important structures there, as is the Kemp House, which I think is the oldest building in all of New Zealand. You know, and there's an inlet there. And it's it's just your minutes from that at, when you stay at Farapuke.
0: Oh, wow. That sounds amazing. Yeah. It's like a, that awesome mixture of like that local flavor and then also the historic aspect of it. And then obviously the nature too. So it's like like hitting on all three cylinders. Yes. <laughs> all right. So now again, like obviously you're traveling, probably a solo female traveler, I would assume like when yes. you were, when you're traveling, did you feel safe the entire time? Or is there any parts of town like, Hey, maybe I should stay away from that part?
1: Uh, you know, New Zealand's funny, especially in these little towns. There, most people don't lock their doors, <laughs> so that was that was culture shock. I actually stayed in an Airbnb uh, my first week there um, with a lovely woman from South Africa, and she's an artist, and she has a dog and um, a bunch of chooks or chickens. It was just, and she has a cat. and It was just such an adventure <laughs> with this beautiful view, and she didn't lock the front door, and I didn't quite know what to make of it. I just. <laughs> I, you know, so at first, I felt unsafe in that you know what they're leaving their door unlocked? I'm from new york city how How's this possible? <laughs> and then I got used to it, and I've spent a lot of my time in Kerry with the door unlocked, and you felt very safe.
0: Well, that's awesome. Same thing with, um, obviously more like that kind of like digital nomad type of scenario, right? Like you probably didn't anticipate that, but you, you, you looked into that lifestyle, whether you wanted to or not for the last 18 months. Do they have like strong internet and everything else there?
1: Well, it's really funny. When I was living there last year, they did not. They had actually quite bad at, at Farapuke. The wi I was such a struggle. I had to go into town. Like a, my video, if I uploaded a two-minute video and I leave my computer on like overnight, it might make it. Whereas in town, <laughs> it took like five seconds, and then. Literally the day that I checked out, they had, they got their fiber installed and I did go back there recently and it's lovely now they have, they have fiber. So in, in the town of Kirikiri now, I think there's, they've installed more fiber access. So you'll find really good internet access. And there are two co-working spaces and both of them, well, I only used one of them, um, but they had great internet as well.
0: Oh, fantastic. Same thing. Like You mentioned that there's the, the Maori people and the, the, the language there, uh, but, Most everybody you you interacted with, they all spoke English, I would assume?
1: Everybody speaks English. There's a movement underway in New Zealand that everyone should learn Maori, uh, which is lovely. So you'll hear a lot of words and you'll see like the tamoko, which is the full body. Sorry, the full face tattoo is called a tamoko and people will refer to it. And there are general words in daily language. So in, in New York, we have like Spanglish where people speak english but throw in spanish and like and in that same kind of way you'll hear people here speaking english but also there might be a maori word that's just part of inherent in the language and culture that will just come out okay same thing with
0: say obviously you said it's a little bit of a small town do we need to have like exchange into like the local currency or is our credit cards accepted or american dollars accepted
1: You're going to need uh, New Zealand dollars and bring your credit cards for sure. But there are a number of places, especially at the markets. Um, There's a there's a Sunday market every week, especially which has local produce. And many of them only take what's called F posts, which means you need a local bank account or you can transfer. I mean, people will be like, just transfer the money into my bank account and they'll give you, it's so different. They'll, they'll give you the number to their bank account and just expect <laughs> that when you get around to it, you'll transfer the funds. Um, of course, if you do that from an American bank account, you, I mean, my bank anyway would charge me like $15 per transaction. So you need to have a decent amount of cash on you if you don't have a local bank account and want to shop at some of the more local places.
0: Okay. I mean, but that I, again, it kind of speaks to that, that local small town feel where, they just kind of trust you that way, right?
1: It's un- I've seen so many times, uh, you know, somebody's like, "Oh shoot, I forgot my wallet," and they're like, "Just come back tomorrow or the next time you come in the store, pay us then."
0: That's a, that's wonderful. It's like such a like a, a bygone era, you know, that we yes. have there versus in the U.S. So let's talk about uh, some of the things to do there and some of the notes that I saw. It seems like there's a lot of like hiking and and beautiful waterfalls that are nearby.
1: There are there are five main waterfalls, all of which are beautiful and worth going to. If you stayed at Farapuke, you're actually down the road. So I mentioned the stone store, and there's a place called the Honey House Cafe, which I strongly recommend going for a cup of coffee or a little sandwich or a lovely afternoon cake or something. There's a bridge there that's where there's a beautiful view um, over the the inlet of Carrie Carrie. If you cross the bridge. And go over. There's a field, and to your left, you get you pick up the trail to Farapuke Waterfall, which is the first one, which is maybe a fifteen or twenty minute walk. And if you continue on that trail, you'll end up maybe forty five ish minutes later at Rainbow Falls, which uh, is one of the. I think it's the probably the biggest waterfall there. uh, Which has I missed it my first time. You you come in on the bottom if you do this walk and you're looking out into the fall, but you can walk up and around it. And then actually there's viewpoints up top. And there is a tea house that's also wonderful. And if you have the time to go, just has lovely like teas and food and stuff. So I would I would also recommend making the time to do that. You can also drive there and park (laughs) in the parking lot, which is also very accessible to the tea house, and then start at the top of the waterfall and walk down. So that's those two. And then... What's neat is that most of these walks all start from around the stone store because the other two water there's two other waterfalls that are right near the stone store, the path, and one is called Te Wadere Waterfall, and the other one is the Secret Waterfall. And it's about around an hour walk to each. And that's just all in, uh, you can, there's a point during that walk where it will tell you if it's bad weather, don't take this path. There's like a shortcut, but it's quite steep and in nature. And if it's raining, it's really muddy. Take it really seriously. Don't take that path if it's raining. (laughs) And if it's sunny, then it is a great shortcut. But that will take you just through the woods, over these bridges, and you end up at this lovely, peaceful, small little waterfall. And then the secret waterfall is a little easy to miss. You do need to be looking for it, and there there is a sign for it. And then the secret waterfall, when we first started walking up to it, it reminded me of like a scene out of an Indiana Jones movie, just with all the gnarled up, twisty branches. And then you get there, and it just is, again, just a lovely little... Just a lovely, peaceful, little, small waterfall. And the fifth waterfall is called Charlie's Rock, and that is in a totally different area. Uh, it's over near, uh, there's a place called the Parrot Place, which is a wonderful place to spend. They, they are in cages, but there's a couple aviaries, and the birds are lovely. It's a great place, especially if you're traveling with kids. And up the road from there is the entrance to Charlie's Rock, which again, if it's raining or inclement weather, it's not a long walk, but there is a section that if it gets muddy and you have any leg issues at all, it probably will be undoable or not comfortable. But once you get there again, it's another peaceful uh, people. I think you could swim there and it's the rock formation is quite interesting and it's another very worthwhile walk to do.
0: That sounds amazing. Now, like, like you mentioned, as far as kids, I, I travel a lot of times with my kids and they're, they're six and 10 right now. Would all those, those trails for those different waterfalls accessible for like younger kids?
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Awesome. And earlier we were talking about like the, the Maori culture and everything else like that. And, and I'm going to like butcher the name I'm sure, but Te
1: Teahurea, it used to be called Rewa's village is so when I got there there's this thing called Rewas Village which was this tiny little center of Maori culture which wasn't much and while I've been in New Zealand they redid the whole thing and they now call it Te Ahurea. they built this uh, lovely the, the the canoe they have a, a marae which is the the it's sort of for prayer but meeting house if you will uh, and then they they have a bunch of different Maori structures there's a little museum now you can walk around the property and see all of the different plants because plant-based medicine is really important to mori culture. And they even offer periodically a Kawakawa balm making class. So they have a lot of amazing. It's it, it's I think they just opened recently and I feel like they're, you know, they're finding their legs, so to speak. But I think it would be once New Zealand opens up again, a great place and worthwhile to visit.
0: That sounds so amazing. Now, kind of also talking about like the, the whole naturalistic attractions and things like that, I guess there's also a lot of hot springs in that area for Kirikiri, right?
1: There's only one that I know of that you can actually go bathe in, and it's called um, it's called Nafa Springs, but it's spelled N-G-W-H-A, so it's spelled nothing like <laughs> I just pronounced. And I think it's about, we drove maybe 20 minutes outside of Kirikiri, and it's they also just redid that, so there's a bunch of different pools with different temperatures, and it's not. If, if you've been to Rotorua or you plan to go, it's definitely not on that scale. This is a much smaller <laughs> hot spring, but it's just lovely that they have it in in that area. So I was lucky to get a driver's license and use the, my address up there, so I paid a local's fee which is next to nothing and if you're a tourist you're going to pay more for it but uh, but if you lo- like hot springs it's definitely worth a visit
0: Wow, that sounds fun now uh, speaking also of like kind of like nature and you know i like the drink i guess there's like some nice vineyards that are nearby too
1: there are uh so uh marsden estate is one of the more well-known ones um up there there's aki aki as well and i think there's probably five or eight vineyards. I've done oh, three or four of them. So that my my doing vineyards was dependent on meeting awesome people who had cars, <laughs> who also <laughs> liked mine, and taking me with them. So um, there was a vineyard started by a gentleman from California that he and his wife found their way over to New Zealand maybe 25, 30 years ago. And we went to their vineyard, and I'm forgetting the name right now, but... They just closed, so they they literally had produced their last round of wines, and and then they were just selling them out and then closing. So that one's gone. But there's the like I said, there's the Aki Aki Marston Estate. There's the there's a bunch of big ones, and they're all um, maybe it's Kanui. I might have to look that one up.
0: <laughs> That's okay. Well, we'll put it in the show notes. That's fine. Now with with the wines that they're making, are they? Is it more of like the whites, like or sweeter wines, or is it more of I know that like Australia's really known for like the Syrahs and everything.
1: Yeah, so so here's the thing. So I've lived in lots of places, traveled lots of places. So I grew up on French wine. And I also um, in 2019 went to Argentina and drank Malbec in Mendoza. And like I'm a red wine girl, so let me just preface.
0: That.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I like, you know, full bodied deep reds. <laughs> and unfortunately, New Zealand does not have the culture for those reds. So what you'll find here is that that are better wines, the whites are much better than the reds, although Pinot Noir can be decent here. So you'll find they have Pinot Gris. The Chardonnays actually are quite good. And I'm not, I used to love those big oaky California Chardonnays and I've come to like them less. And the ones here have like a little bit of the oakiness, but are really drinkable. So definitely love those. You're going to find everything, but actually you won't find a Malbec here, but you will find, you'll find many more whites and you will find the Pinot Noir. You might find, maybe you'll find a Cabernet, but I mean, it's, it's really more focused on, on white wines here.
0: Okay. Obviously when you're drinking wine, a lot of times you're pairing that with, with nice foods. What are some of like the, like the local foods that maybe you're going to eat there in the Kerry the Kerry area?
1: So, I mean, they actually do have a few, you know, international, like there's an Indian place, there's a Thai place, there's actually a wonderful um, Israeli place, I think it's called Jerusalem Cafe, where the husband and wife team, he's from Israel, she's from Argentina, and they make excellent everything, like falafel, hummus, baba ganoush, all that. And if you want to eat well, you're probably going to end up at Maha, which um, is probably one of one of the two best restaurants in Kirikiri and they they actually have very good wines red and white <laughs> they tend to partner up with the winemakers in the area that make the best wines and they are sort of an Asian fusion a little bit because uh, Ming the chef he's from Hong Kong I believe so he brings in that fusion into you know any there's meat chicken fish. They have everything, but you know, there is a large influence coming in from European settlers. So you know what, you're going to find you're going to find the fish and chips. <laughs> you're going to find the, the rib roasts kind of heavier meat dishes. And there's actually also a gluten-free restaurant in the center of town, which everybody raves. If you're gluten-free, it is the place like everybody goes there. So
0: what's the name of that one?
1: Uh, you don't know, have to look that up too. I was just thinking about that
0: don't worry about that. We'll we'll put that in the show notes. Oh, Heather, I really appreciate you sharing all these amazing tips for Kerry Kerry. I've learned a lot, and it sounds like such a wonderful place to visit. But now it's time for the final countdown. If somebody only had time for one meal when they visited Kerry Kerry, where should they go and what should they eat?
1: I'm going to suggest you go to Marsden Estate and you do a flight of wines and you have one of their tuna, either the seared tuna salad or just or one of the tuna dishes. The tuna there is amazing and it's delicious and it's a lovely a view out onto the vineyard.
0: That sounds like a perfect setting, especially if you're there with somebody like a uh, romantic wise, right?
1: Yes, yeah. yes or not, but either way, yes. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> well, like obviously you had a great time when you were there. It creates such wonderful memories for you. What's one of your most uh, favorite memories?
1: So one night I went for a drink um, at a place. It was the Mexican and now it's a different place. But when it was the Mexican place, I went there with a friend and I saw this table of women laughing and having a great time. And so I, I just walked over to them and I said, you ladies look like you're having so much fun. Who are you and what are you doing here? And it turned out that they were from all over the world living in Kiri because that's another great thing there. It's a big international community. They were part of a Latin fit dance class, if you can believe, <laughs> in Kiri, run by this lovely woman Luce from Peru. And they gave me the information and shortly thereafter, I became part of their group and I am a Latin fit dance fan twice a week, still doing it. And it's a great thing. If you are in Kerry you should go there um, 5.45 PM Tuesday and Thursday nights.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that sometimes some of us don't really work out as much as we should because it's kind of like a chore. But if if you're having fun, especially with got all those friends with you and it's like you're dancing and doing everything that you don't even realize you're sweating away all those calories. So that's awesome.
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) Well, but speaking of calories and and probably doing a little too much of what you shouldn't do, where's the happiest happy hour in Kerry, Kerry?
1: So it's funny because there's, you know, again, it's not a big place. So there's kind of like two places you can go, which one is Rock Salt. So that's more of sort of a mainstream experience in a pub, if you will. Um, But then there's the Homestead, which is about a five minute walk from there. And that to me was the more like, it's not grungy at all, but it would be more like, the locals you know there's more maori people as well as the pakeha which is what we you know if if you're not maori you're called pakeha so there's a nice blend there of more real people if you will not that the people at rock salt aren't real it's just like a different (laughs) a different group of people yeah And, and actually i should also mention ferment sorry ferment has a lovely wine tasting um happy hour friday nights strongly recommend theirs if you're there on a friday night
0: well, you know what? I will bite the bullet and I will hit all three just to test them all out. You I, 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 will, I will do that for everybody. I will do that. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: do, I know. It'll be, it'll be really hard, I know, but good for you.
0: <laughs> hey, you know, somebody's got to do it. Right? Yeah. Uh, one of the things I always do whenever I travel is check out the local pizza. What's the best place for pepperoni pizza in Kerry, Kerry?
1: So I'll be honest, I'm not a huge pizza eater, but though there's no chain hotels, there is actually a pizza hut and a Domino's in the center of town. So probably you're going to end up at one of those, and the Pizza Hut's here. I did eat in one in Christchurch, and you know what? It's not bad actually. So um, I might recommend theirs.
0: Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm normally not like a big chain pizza person, but you know, sometimes you like when you're traveling, it's like you just want that that taste of home. So it's like you got to try all these other things. But like sometimes you're like you're on day seven of like a two week trip or something, and you're like it's just like hankering for that uh, that little slice of home. That's awesome. Well, Okay, so you've obviously traveled all over the world and done all these things, and we've, we met through the Travel Massive group. So you have a lot of great tips. What's your best travel tip?
1: Honestly, ask the locals <laughs> for everything. Like, I have come to not overly plan any trips that I take anymore. I just kind of arrive. And then I just talk to people that I meet in the town about where should I go and what should I see? So my tip would be instead of planning, like let the locals just organically help you plan where to go and what to see and where to eat.
0: Oh, that sounds like a great idea. I mean, it's like the, the basis of the podcast, right? <laughs> yeah. So, But uh, the way I look at it is that some people aren't that outgoing, they're just kind of timid, they're like afraid to ask, like afraid to bother somebody. But I, what I found is a lot of locals they don't mind being bothered obviously there are some there are some that are like you know leave me alone go away or they they send you to like the most touristy thing that they can think of but there are some that'll tell you like okay go to this restaurant because like you you'll find the most amazing XYZ dish or whatever or here's a way to skip the line at, at that other place and those are like the, the real amazing tips to just kind of really make or break a vacation
1: yes definitely.
0: We're right on. well Heather I really appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing all these amazing tips for Carrie Kerry, hopefully I'll be able to go one time and, and maybe it's inspiring somebody else to visit as well can you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and what you do
1: sure so I left my 25 plus year career in corporate in uh, 20 I quit in 2017 to take a career break that uh, ended up leading me to be a full-time nomad so I've been traveling the world the last uh, four years uh, except for the pandemic uh, but I now uh, help other people figure out how to afford and plan and do the whole full-time travel thing if they want to do that. And um, my website is heatherbegins.com.
0: Well, fantastic. Well, if somebody has a question about how to do that or questions about New Zealand and your experiences there, what's the best way for them to reach on social media?
1: Anything. I mean, you can email me. I've got Instagram, uh, probably Facebook Messenger, honestly, is, is really good. Anything. <laughs> Just if you go to heatherbegins.com, you'll find links to everything.
0: Right on. And we'll have some links to some other things as well. When I was looking at your site, I saw that you have a couple of ebooks and a course or two to help people explore this lifestyle of, of full time travel, right?
1: Yes. I'm very much about helping people, especially people that are currently working in corporate and would like to do something different. And I think, you know, especially the pandemic may have given us the opportunity to think about what do I really want in my life? I'm uh, all about helping them understand all of the shifts that you go through to live this lifestyle. And of course, money is the the big thing that I'm always asked, how on earth do you afford it? So I have an ebook that gives you all the formulas to figure out, you know, how much do you need, how much longer you need to work before you can quit. And then I have an e-course that really deals with the transition and ways to make money um, while you're out there traveling. So all of those products are on my website.
0: Oh, I love it. Right on. So we're going to have links to all that in the show notes. And Heather, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all these amazing tips. And we look forward to seeing you when we travel there.
1: Thank you. It's been great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: What a fun conversation with Heather. I've always dreamed of visiting New Zealand, but just haven't got there yet. I'm looking forward to exploring the country when I do visit. You can find all the links we talked about today at wetravelthere.com forward slash We want to say thank you to Bluffworks for being an affiliate partner of today's episode. Bluffworks offers many styles to fit your needs so that way you can save wrinkle free while traveling. Go to wetravelthere.com forward slash Bluffworks and use the promo code Lee to save 10% off your order. Join us next time as we head to the Isles of Scilly in the UK to speak with my new friend Peter Naldred, the author of Treasured Islands. In this episode, Peter and I talk about exploring the Valhalla Museum, wandering through Tresco Gardens, and stargazing during Dark Skies Week. We hope you join us when we travel there. If you've enjoyed this podcast episode, please share it with your friends and tell them what you like most. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast app. That way you don't miss any of our upcoming destinations.